mindfulness mode. Don't take your health for granted. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show. It's New Year's Eve day, and I wish you all the best for a happy new year. And I'm excited because I have chosen a very special episode for New Year's. And it's an episode which talks about lightening your day, talks about reducing stress in your life. And it was just so much fun. We laughed a lot. He is into laughter yoga. And I just thought this was a really special episode for the first of the new year of 2024. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome back to the show. I'm here today with the president of the greatest interior landscaping company in the San Francisco Bay Area. And for him, being an interior landscaping person, I think is a very mindful thing, but we're going to talk to him about that and how mindfulness plays into what he does and into his his world. He's also a TEDx speaker. He's a best-selling author on reducing stress in your everyday life. He's written a book on this, and he's also a certified laughter yoga leader. And so I'm really excited to tell you that I'm here today with Professor Pete Alexander. Professor Pete, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am, Bruce. Thank you so much for having me on the show, and I really appreciate your listeners' time as well. You're most welcome. It's great to have you here. What does mindfulness mean to you, Professor Pete? For me, it's it really is being present uh, with your own body and being able to take in and appreciate what's going on as, again, in the present rather than living in the past or worrying about something in the future. And it's interesting because when I was doing my research for my book, I found that you know most stress that we have that ends up being um, a negative in our lives ha- happens because of ruminating in the past about something we cannot change or having anxiety about something that may or may not happen in the future. But the reality is, I'm sure you've heard this, Bruce, the, you know, the present is a gift and that's why they call it the present. If we can just live in the present and be mindful of that, it's, you know, everything else, it can be, be handled, you know, relatively easily if we can just stay present. That is so true. And the book that you wrote, Lighten Your Day, that is a book that really helps people with their uh, stress so that they can quickly and easily relieve some of that stress. So can you give us a little bit of insight? What's one way we can quickly and easily relieve some stress from our life? Oh, perfect. Yeah. When I started writing the book, I was looking at um, different books that were already out there to see how I could find a, a particular gap that there was and the big gap that i saw was that most of the books were written uh with maybe one or two activities and a 300 page book on like deep breathing or yoga or meditation but the reality is most of us don't have that kind of time we are right. stressed and we've got only a couple of minutes before we have to go into a stressful meeting, having a stressful conversation or a perceived stressful conversation. So what I decided to do was offer up the vast majority of the well over 100 activities that are in the book are five minutes or less. So one that you ask uh, is one of my favorites is called visualization. 
and I can walk you right through it. For your for the lis- listeners, um, just keep in mind the only thing I don't want you to be doing is driving a vehicle right now because it's gonna you're gonna close your eyes for a minute. But go ahead and close your eyes and take a deep breath in. That feels good. It does already. And what I'd like you to do is go in your mind to a place you like to relax. Call it your happy place. Maybe it's the beach. Maybe it's the park. Maybe it's a lake. Maybe it's your backyard. Maybe it's the spa. Maybe maybe it's your favorite recliner. Wherever it is, go there now and take in all of your senses. So what do you feel? Do you feel the sun on your face? Maybe the sand or the grass under your feet? And what do you smell? Do you smell the fresh air? Maybe the lotion from the spa? Maybe you smell the popcorn you just made for your favorite movie. And what do you hear? Do you hear the wind blowing through the trees? Maybe the water splashing on shore? And what do you see? Do you see the blue sky? Maybe the green of the trees or the grass? Whatever it is, take it all in and take another deep breath in. and open your eyes. Simple grounding exercise. And like I said, other than in a driving vehicle, if you're the driver, this is something that you can do anywhere. And I have a lot of different people who at work, let's say they're in the office. And if they've got a cubicle, if they're able to do it in the cubicle, great. But I know people who actually will do this by just like going into the restroom, into a restroom stall or something, if they, if they're in an open work environment, or they just go in outside for a moment. You, you could even do this standing up, but it's, it's, it's being able to do an activity that works for you. And if you do it regularly on a daily basis, the compound benefits will be amazing. You just have to do it every day. And that's, that's where we need to get into a habit. That's a really great exercise. Absolutely made me feel fantastic. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So Professor Pete, I know that you're into yoga and Mm -hmm. I know you're into laughter yoga, but when did you first get into yoga and what was that like for you? Well, it, it basically, um, for the laughter yoga part, that one actually, I, I had experienced it for the very first time back in 20, it was either 2015 or 2016. And I remember what happened was I was walking in downtown San Francisco in the financial district and I happened to come up to this park and there were a bunch of people that were just laughing. And I thought, what is going on here? And so they invited me to come in and I, so they were doing these for the most part, ridiculous activities. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, these people have lost their minds. And then at the end of the class, or the activity, the, the group, I realized, boy, I feel really good. 
And, <laughs> you know, it was, it was amazing. So I started doing a little bit of research on it and I thought, wow, that's pretty fun. Um, and at the time, the, uh, the trainings uh, were not online. And so I thought, okay, maybe I could t- attend one. And then, you know, life kept on getting in the way. But it was not until 2020 that I decided I was going to get trained in this because I wanted to offer it in, in my community because I, I noticed that, you know, with all the negativity that's going around in the world, having a, a, a way to be able to laugh and be able to have joy is something that I wanted to bring to others. And then, of course, right after I get certified, that's when COVID hit. Because I, I I had I got my training in January of uh, okay. of 2020, and then uh, my first class was supposed to be in March because I had the venue set up, <laughs> and bingo, uh, everything shuts down. And so wow. uh, yeah, but uh, gratefully it's back up and running, and uh, I'm really enjoying doing that. And and it just it's amazing as we were talking about before the recording, for me. I get to do these activities, leading these activities for an hour in the class. And it's amazing how I feel afterwards. It's just, it feels so good. And that energy lasts for several, several hours. Sometimes, you know, it can last o- overnight to the next day. It's amazing what it can do. And then if you, if you, you know, we were talking about making it a habit. So one of the goals that I have for um, the people who come to my class is that they learn activities, laughter activities, that they can utilize as they need during the week when something would normally get them agitated. And if we can teach ourselves to not let that agitation get to us, then we're not putting those, that negative toxicity into our bodies. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to hear about your TEDx mm-hmm. talk. What was it like becoming a TEDx speaker? Was that difficult to get into that space? And what was your talk about? Sure. Well, it's funny that you say, what was it, you know, was it uh, difficult? So I started with one particular topic and, and my original application was in June of 2021. Mm-hmm. And my, so I got rejected, rejected, rejected. And so then I thought, well, maybe I should change topics. So I changed topics to another topic, Mm -hmm. rejected, rejected, rejected. And then I thought, okay. So then I changed it to one that was really very, very personal. Um, I have a extraordinary background of family dysfunction. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to do a talk about this. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed was at that point when I changed uh, topics, I had been rejected probably with the first two topics 25 times roughly. And then I started applying with this family dysfunction topic. And every time I got uh, rejected for that, it was as if I was getting punched in the stomach. Oh, it wow. really was because this was very, very personal. And so it was, was devastating each time. And after I got up over 
50, it was like 51, 52 rejections. I decided, you know what, uh, I, either I'm going to quit or I've got to do something else. And I was um, out in nature hiking, my favorite pastime. And I had this topic come to my mind. And it was, wait a minute. Uh, how do people feel about getting rejected by TEDx? I know rejection is a very difficult thing that we all deal with. But, and there are uh, several talks already on TEDx talked about rejection. Not one talked mm -hmm. about utilizing the TEDx experience as part of that. Mm -hmm. So I thought to myself, let me see if I apply based on being rejected by TEDx and trying to overcome that, as I get rejected by on that topic, the one good thing that came out of that was each time I got rejected, it added data to my findings. And here's the funniest thing of all. When I would get rejected on that topic, each time I got rejected, I would just do a laughter exercise and I'd say thank you because you just gave me more data. And <laughs> literally, I got rejected. Uh, so it, it totaled up to 89 times. And then my 90th application finally came through. And so I gave that, uh, that talk uh, on October 25th. And uh, now I'm waiting for it to get published uh, because it got uh, submitted by the organizer uh, early uh, last, last week, I believe, because they, they uh, have to put a little bit of editing in, 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 in okay. the video. But uh, it was one of, if not the hardest, one of the hardest uh, speeches, presentations that I've ever had to do because um, when in most cases, when you are selected as a TEDx speaker, you have to memorize your talk. Now, yeah. I used to, you know, anytime I give a presentation, I always practice it. And I like to, 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 to be very well prepared. However, I don't memorize my presentation. Of the probably 400 presentations I've given in my career, you know, what I'll do is I'll have some slides. The slides sure. are almost always just pictures. And those slides are only there for me to emphasize a point. Mm -hmm. And I like to use a bit of improv because, you know, I, I do improv comedy as well. And I like to do a bit of improv as, you know, in terms of what's going on with my audience. So with a TEDx talk, when you have to stick to an exact memorized speech that can be quite challenging because you know i i i i want to respond to the audience and what happened actually during the talk at one point uh i made a point i i made a um part of my speech and there was something i did not expect on a positive side from the audience reaction and i said something just out of habit I said something, you know, from an improv standpoint, and then I realized, oh my gosh, 
I just went off script. (laughs) (laughs) And so I had to get back on there and I messed up one line after that because I was trying to get myself back on. Uh, But it was, it was a really great experience. Um, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity. uh, And uh, you know, it's something that if anyone listening, if you've ever thought about doing a TEDx, I'd recommend applying because, you know, it's, it's, it, it can be a really, really great opportunity to, you know, further expand getting out of your comfort zone, which it did for me. Uh, whenever, whenever we get out of our comfort zone, we inevitably grow. And, you know, the interesting thing that a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to fail. Well, failure, if you think about what the fail, fail as an acronym, it, uh, it stands for fictional, uh, I'm sorry, fear, F-E-A-R, fictional evidence appearing real. And when we, if you think about that, it's our uh, classic inner critic that's telling us, oh, you can't do this because you're going to fail. And our inner critic is not our enemy. It's just trying to protect us. But when we extend ourselves, and let's say we, we run into a new roadblock because we're extending ourselves, it's basically the universe telling us that we need to try something different. It's not a failure. It's basically giving us feedback. And so being able to, to, to memorize a 10-minute talk and that you know and do it in front of an audience and uh practicing it regularly that was all a lot of work that i feel like i really grew from as well as uh modifying the talk as i continue to uh uh practice it where i actually learned some new things about myself that i brought into the talk well that's really interesting to hear that and i'm looking forward to hearing your talk when it comes out on tedx <laughs> especially knowing that background information that's oh yes really very cool. yeah it is it is and uh you know it's interesting because uh with my dysfunctional family um the story typically revolves around my mom as the villain of the story but okay. in my tedx it actually came out where it was what role my dad had in it which I rarely ever talked about. And so that was Mm -hmm. part of the interesting thing uh, when it comes to rejection. Oh, I see. So you became president of the greatest interior landscaping company in the San Francisco Bay Area. Tell us about the mindfulness aspects of being involved in landscaping. Yeah, so basically um, I purchased a failing business um, back in 2005 after I was working for the second company in a row that got bought by its main competitor. And I kind of, I just wanted to have a little bit more control over my future. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I decided to buy this landscaping business. Um, And it's, it's, so it's, it only focuses on um, businesses and it's plants inside of offices and lobbies, etc. The uh, first year that I owned it, I regretted every moment of it. <laughs> it, was like, it was so hard. I mean, you know, the, the unfortunately, like I said, it was going downhill, and um, but I was able to 
get it level where it, we weren't losing business anymore. And then it started growing and uh, after a year and, and, and has other than COVID um, when that hit in 2020, uh, we've been lucky enough to continue to grow every year. And what's great about the uh, business is that when you bring in the plants, especially first time into an office, it creates this enormous buzz from the from the uh, employees and the person who had the decision maker who brings it in uh, or bring uh, agrees to 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 have a service there or their office. Mm -hmm. They get all these accolades so it's always fun to do that but the plants themselves we are connected to nature and when you have live plants nearby you not only you know it's the university research backs this up left and right about the fact that it reduces stress uh it mm -hmm. cleans the air so that we're less likely to be in a uh uh, an environment where we're going to catch a cold, let's say, or a virus, et cetera. So there's, and, and it, what it does is when we have live plants there, we're connecting to nature. And when we can connect to nature, that's a natural stress reliever that helps us be more calm. And so all the statistics uh, and all the research from the universities say that if, if, you can have one or more plants in your environment, the likelihood is you're going to be uh, healthier and you're going to be more productive. And so especially when you're, when you're less likely to, 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 to be sick, we all know, you know, if you've had a really bad cold or the flu, et cetera, boy, sometimes you just don't feel like doing anything other than lying in bed. Well, you can't be productive. When you're doing that and not really good to those you know that are, you know that you love etc so you know health is so important and one of the ways to do that is to have plants in in your environment real plants and so that's part of the part of what's fun for for me because it's something it's a service that people don't think about because it's like oh yeah there's plants here they don't really give much attention to that. Now, of course, if when I took over the business, um, the previous owner wasn't doing a really good job of taking care of the customers. So I walked into some customers who the plants looked pretty sad. And mm. that can have a negative. If, if, uh, if the yeah. plants are failing, um, it, you know, that, that can have a negative of, um, uh, mindfulness on people. And so a lot of it could be just the, 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 there's research that shows that if you're in a toxic environment, plants will reflect that. So for example, there was this wonderful study where it showed that uh, people would come and purposely argue next to one plant, same variety of plant, same size plant, etc. Everything else was kept the same. So one plant had to deal with all the toxicity. One plant got, oh, feedback like, oh, you look good, or how are you doing, blah, 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 positivity. And it was amazing after a month what one plant looked like versus the other. Crazy. That is fascinating. <laughs> it, is, it, is. it just shows because, you know, plants are, are you know, they're living 
creatures, basically, and or their organisms. And it, they respond to the negativity as well. So if if we can if 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 our arguing, if our toxicity can do that to plants, can you imagine what it's doing inside of us when we're allowing the, you know, worrying about something that we feel guilty about in the past or anxiety about something in the future, what it's doing inside of us. It's just, oh, it, it can be so, totally. so bad. Totally. So as a professor, do you teach mostly about marketing? I do. I do. So uh, I, I, I have the um, benefit of being able to inspire my students into creating marketing plans for a topic of their choice. So instead of, you know, I, I took this class over um, back three years ago and the, the old format of it was students had to come up with different ideas for a widget, a generic widget, and they all had to do the same thing. And you could see the feedback that the students were giving. They were saying, this is boring. We don't get it. We, don't have no connection to a widget. And so I decided, okay, pick, pick something that you would like to do. So my students now, they'll pick either the company they're working for, uh, an idea they have for a new product or service, um, a product that they really like that they want to help. Um, and it's so fun to see them work on a project and especially ones that these students, most of the students have never done a marketing plan before. And the comments that they say that when they first started the class, they had no idea that they could actually do a marketing plan. And then by the end of the class, they've got this work of art that they could use actually as part of an interview process. Some, some uh, of my students have used to get promotions at work. Uh, several students have created businesses around the marketing plan. So it's really fun to, uh, to, to, to see them take this and really apply it to something that can make a difference. Well, it sounds like you have such a fun and balanced life because you do all these different things we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. What else do you do in your life for fun? Oh, I'll, so two things. One, I mentioned that I'm an improv uh, comedy uh, performer. So oh, right. yeah, so I get to do that. Uh, we, we do at least one, sometimes two uh, uh, shows per uh, per month. All throughout um, where I live, I, you know, there's probably a 60-mile radius, and there's a lot mm -hmm. of different uh, theaters uh, that, that we perform at. So that's one because, boy, that you have to stay quick on your feet because it's all about listening. Yeah, it's all about listening. And the fun part is, once again, you take feedback and suggestions from the audience. So every yeah. show is different for us, and that's yeah. really fun. And, and I have to ask, is this a marketing thing when you say we yeah. for us? <laughs> because uh, is, there, is there more than one of you yes. standing up there or yes. what? <laughs> yes. So, so my, my troop has uh, six members. And uh, okay. so usually, you know, depending on the activity, it'll be two of us, three of us, or the whole, whole group. Okay. So um, that's why I say we. Because if I, I, if I was – I, I did see – I took my son to it several years ago. There was a one man, they, he did two different shows, one man Star Wars show, one man uh, Lord of the Rings show. I could, ne I, oh, I shouldn't say I could never do that. I wouldn't try and do that because that is really hard. But, mm -hmm. you know, when you, when you have the opportunity to 
work with talented professionals like I do, it's, it's actually so much fun, especially, you know, when you get to get the audience laughing hysterically that, you know, it's, it's that, you know, instead Mm -hmm. of the applause, that's the part that gets us really excited. So that's one. And then my favorite uh, pastime is uh, hiking. I absolutely love that sport. Um, There's this, this connection that I have with uh, nature, but also, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a wonderful opportunity to connect with others because, you know, as you're, as you're, and you hike in a trail, you're talking and it's just, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it gives you the best, uh, best combination that actually, um, is something, you know, when, when you can connect with others and you can be out exercising and you're in nature, boy, I, it, those are three huge stress relievers all at once. So it's, uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Definitely. Oh, that, that is amazing. Professor Pete, I always ask a question about bullying and I wonder mm-hmm. if you have a story about that where mindfulness would have made a difference. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, so there's, there's this activity that I like to, to, to promote to people if, they, if they've ever heard of it called the STOP um, uh, uh, activity. And it, the STOP is a acronym for uh, with the process that you should follow. And this happened to me. I tried this. I had, a, a, when I was still working uh, in, in corporate, there was a guy who he enormous narcissist and literally every time i heard his voice the hair on the back of my neck would stand up (laughs) i'm sure all of us have had somebody like that it's just like oh and he would come and unfortunately we had this open office environment so there was no not even a cubicle wall to to block this he would and his desk was right next to mine and he would just, out of the blue, he would just start, you know, saying stuff loud and, and, and you know, and he didn't care, you know, the, he didn't care that the rest of us needed concentration time or we were working on stuff. He just would blur, blurt out stuff and he would snap at you for certain things and uh, uh, it just, it was awful. And at one point... I, you know, I was not having a good day. <laughs> he, he just rubbed me the absolute wrong way where he just was basically telling me that one of the people that was working for me, that was reporting to me, made a mistake and um, he was telling me how I had failed the company by hiring this guy. And my stress load, you know, kind of like if you think about a thermometer, you know, those classic things where it's going up, mine just was going, it was ready to go, ah, will explode. <laughs> yeah. And I remembered the stop method. And so the stop method says, stop, don't immediately react. Okay. T is take your, yourself away from the situation. So I did not respond to him. I just walked away and I actually went into the bathroom. And in there, I went into a stall and I just observed, which is the O. I observed my feelings, took some several deep breaths, 
realized, okay, if I would have reacted immediately to him, it might have been a shouting match. I wouldn't have punched him or anything, but it might have been a shouting match. And if that was a shouting match, who is that going to help? It's certainly not going to help me because it's going to make me look like, you know, somebody who can't handle, uh, you know, a difficult person like this. So I went through that process. It took probably five, 10 minutes. And then P, the proceed, you go back to the situation after you've collected yourself. And what's, you know, we all can have probably had a time where we said something, the words came out, and you knew as soon as the words came out, those are the wrong things to say. And you want to grab those words and throw them back into your mouth, but it's too late. Yeah. And so when you're dealing with a bully, it's just, you know, don't, you know, try not to, to, unless you have no choice, if somebody's physically assaulting you, that's one thing. But if it's just verbally, something like that, if you can use the stop method to help collect your thoughts, chances are you can come up with a better reaction once you've totally. been able to collect yourself. And I love that stop method. Yeah. So it's, 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 that's really good. Yeah. It's, it works. It really does. It's hard. The hardest totally. part, the hardest part though, is to realize when you're, when that thermometer is going up there, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to respond to that. And that, no. and we're not talking just, uh, you know, somebody you work with, it could be a family member for that matter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us. Sure. That is really, really powerful. <laughs> yeah. Professor Pete, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. Sure. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first okay. one is this, who is one person who has been a really powerful mindfulness person in your life? Actually, it was a professor I had back when I was getting, uh, getting my uh, bachelor's degree. And he just we were talking about industrial relations, which was quite boring, mm -hmm. but the way that he presented it, he got us to think. And when you think that's the mindfulness. And so to me, I still, some of the things that he taught me, and this is, I mean, 40 years ago, I still apply today. So even before a mindfulness was a you know regular thing for me, so yeah. I give him a lot of credit for that. That is really great. How has mindfulness helped you deal with your emotions differently? Oh, well, perfect example. I used to um, just react immediately and usually in a negative way. And mm -hmm. so mindfulness now for me is going back to being in the present. And there's actually, I have a note on my uh, uh monitor that basically reminds me do not believe your thoughts because if we get wrapped up in all of our emotions we potentially are going to say the wrong thing and so being mindful and being present it helps it really does and you don't you know going back to what we said earlier we say the words wrong can't get them it's too late <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is too late. We can't take them back. Professor Pete, your book, Lighten Your Day, mm -hmm. is really a great book. And I encourage Mindful Tribe, I encourage you to get your hands on this book because it will lighten your day. It will make your, your life less stressful. But are there any other books, Professor Pete, that you would recommend that are related to mindfulness? 
Yes, actually, um, there is one that in particular that uh, um, that I really, really liked um, that is about mindfulness and it talks about uh, trust. And um, the, uh, I'm trying to remember what the title, the exact title of it is, um, The Power of Trust, The Power of Trust. And okay. so what the author talked about is all the things we can do from a mindfulness perspective to gain trust in others. Because the organizations that can build trust with their customers and the individuals who can build trust with others, whether it's coworkers, our personal relationships, et cetera, those are the people, those are the organizations that are going to be way more successful because one of the most powerful things about trust is referrals. And if like, let's say Bruce, I had a product or service that I really liked. And I said to you, Bruce, you should check this out. You are way more likely to check it out than the, um, than if you see an advertisement, for example, yeah. because I've done the selling for you, you know, so as, mm -hmm. actually, I just remember it's the speed of trust that it's not the power of trust it's the speed of trust. Okay. And, um, so that's, that book I'd highly recommend because it just it gives so many different examples of what uh, what you can do to build trust relatively easily in at least your own life from a mindfulness perspective. Okay, the speed of trust. Yep. We'll put that in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. Yeah. The speed of trust. Yeah, it sounds great. Okay, are there any apps of any description that you would recommend? Uh, you know, it's funny. The... Um, one of the things that I find is really important about being mindful is using your mind. And I actually find if you, I don't know if you've tried Duolingo before to learn a new language. I haven't used that. Yeah. I, and I do it every morning for five mm -hmm. minutes and it's really important for us to, especially as we get older to utilize our mind regularly. And so Duolingo is really good because it gives you a five-minute exercise and it does different things to help you pick, and pick whatever language you thought you might be interested in using. And mm -hmm. it's funny because uh, I've been doing Spanish and uh, it's like I, I did Portuguese before I went to Portugal uh, earlier this year and I didn't think I was going to use it. And then all of a sudden, wow, I'm in the environment that's using this language and it it, it, the stuff that I learned, it all is there. I just, you know, I'm not using it on a daily basis here in the U.S., but when you're actually in an environment that utilizes that language, it's amazing. So I would highly recommend there's a free version of Duolingo and, and give it a try. And it gives your brain that, that, uh, that exercise that helps us keep it fresh. That's a good tip. I'll have to use that for Spanish too, because we're going to be going to Peru. So. Oh, fun. fun. That, yeah. That would be great. Yeah. 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 Try it out. Sure. I mean, it's, it really, it's, it's, it's an easy, easy app and uh, it's not just, okay, repeat after me. You're either talking to it, you're typing into it, you're reading, you're listening, whatever it happens to be. So uh, it's a, it's a really good app. Well, that's fantastic. Do you have any thoughts or ideas on breathing that you could share with us? Yes. So it's interesting. Um, I like to call it the box method. 
So if we think about a square, what to do for deep breathing, it's like, okay, we can do deep breathing where you breathe all the way in and you make sure that if you can breathe out through your mouth, that's always most beneficial. Yeah. But also when you think about the box method, try and at least count to four or five when you breathe in, then four and four or five when you breathe out, mm-hmm. breathe in, but for four or five, breathe out for four or five. And it's only two times each. But if you do that, that's automatically when you start getting calmer. And so, you know, when we did the visualization exercise uh, uh, earlier, I had you do a deep breath, uh, breathe in and then a, a slow deep uh, breathe out. And then I said, I want you to go in your mind to a place you like to relax. Mm-hmm. You automatically start breathing slower that way. And it's most likely you're going to be doing it in about four seconds, five seconds at the most transitions. So think about it as a box. Yeah, great suggestion. As we wrap up the interview, Professor Pete, are there any last final words of advice? Because you've given us a lot of advice on this <laughs> on this uh, discussion. But do you have any final words of advice for our listeners? Yeah, you know, I, I have one that I always like to pass on to anyone who wants to really take it to heart. Don't trade your career or any major responsibility. Don't, don't trade your health for that. Because that's what I did. I was working very, very hard. I... You know, I had all these different responsibilities that were bringing me down stressful, stressfully. And I ended up getting uh, stress-induced diabetes. And the problem is, you know, when you have a chronic disease like that, you can never get rid of it. And mm. so if you trade your health for your career, that's a very bad trade. And so... Don't take your health for granted. It's just not worth it. It's it's not. Think about it as, you know, if if we were going to trade money for something, would you feel like you got ripped off? Well, if you trade your trade your health for your career or for other responsibilities, you are selling yourself short because you're shortening your lifespan. Yeah. You truly are. And you really went into detail in your book about that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for writing the book and putting it out there because it was really easy to read, really easy to digest, and and you're just such a great communicator. So I really appreciate your book, Lighten Your Day. Oh, thank you so much for those kind words. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, you have a terrific rest of your day, and thanks again for being on Mindfulness Mode. Well, the pleasure's been mine, and I thank you so much, Bruce, for having me on the show. And once again, thank you to your listeners for all of their time. For sure. Bye now. Bye-bye. Mindful Tribe, like I said at the top of the show, Happy New Year to you. Thank you for being my listener. I really appreciate it, Mindful Tribe. You are so awesome to listen week after week after week to my show. I appreciate it so much and wish you all the very best. And, you know, I really really put a lot of effort into choosing the best episode for today and that's why I chose Professor Pete Alexander and his book Lighten Your Day is fantastic. Lighten Your Day fast easy and effective stress relief for when 
S-H-I-T happens. It is a really great book and I encourage you to get it and go to his website PeteAlexander.com and check that out and with that I hope you have the best day and the best week and the best month and year possible. Take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus and happiness. Stay in the mode. <laughs>